In two seasons with Yale University in the Ivy League, Kaveh Zahir al-Islam scored 13 goals. In his off-seasons with Chicago FC United in the fourth tier of U.S. soccer, he scored nine times in 12 games. If you've been on any social media or online forums, you'll know the six-foot-four St. Troyden striker has both American and Iranian fans buzzing, wondering what national team shirt he'll end up wearing. A fiery first year in Belgium will do that for a 21-year-old. Here's our exclusive interview with the San Jose, California native Kaveh Zahir Leslam. Oh, and if you're a visiting media organization, please contact or just reference Golbizan if you want to take a quote from this episode. And if you're a fan of our work, please consider subscribing and giving us a like. Now to the episode. Hey, my name is Kaveh Zahir Leslam, and I'm playing for St. Troyden in the Belgian Pro League. And you're listening to Golbizan Podcast. All right, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I, uh, I'm Samson Tamajani. I am uh, not pretending to apply for a job. This is just me in the middle of a workday. Uh, I'm joined by a uh, co-host uh, for this episode, uh, Arya Alaverdi. Arya, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? I uh, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, good to, to be back after the Asian Cup, uh, after an eventful month uh, of football. We're back on Zoom now uh, after our three podcasts uh, in person with the lads in, uh, in Qatar. And we're good to good to go back on the podcast, but now we're, in, we're interviewing a very special player. Yeah, uh, striker for uh, St. Troyden in Belgium. What's up, Kaveh? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Now, uh, Kaveh, if if I am not mistaken, you're not totally a stranger to Gobizan through one of our uh, old partners, uh, Ex- ex- explain that to us. You, you said you had already heard about this, right? Yeah, one of my uh, best friends from Yale, uh, Nader, used to work with you guys um, a couple years back. So I've known about you guys for a while now. Yeah, you said he sent, uh, you were watching like the 2022 World Cup with him, right? Yeah, I spent uh, that Thanksgiving break with him and his family. We were waking up early to watch those games, like the Wales one. Good to have you on uh, the podcast. Appreciate you, you, your time and, and, and you know coming on. Uh, first question I want to ask you is obviously about your background. Obviously, everyone knows you were, you were born in, in the U.S. Uh, you obviously family are, are Iranian. Uh, you know, are both sides of your family Iranian, mom and dad? Uh, and also, um, I suppose you know, with your surname being quite hard to pronounce, I think for for, for the English speaking world, uh, how did that go with uh, school, university, etc.? Yeah, so yeah, both of my parents are from Iran, um, both sides. My brother and I were first generation born outside of Iran. Um, and yeah, with my last name, it's definitely been difficult, um, especially when it comes to commentators and stadium announcers and whatnot yeah. just kind of my whole life but it's kind of a funny joke now uh, and have you ever been to iran before 
Yeah, I've been a couple of times, um, but the last time was over a decade ago now. So, and uh, what about the uh, the Farsi? How how is that? Are you comfortable with that? Do you speak with with the family? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it was my first language growing up. Um, obviously, it's gotten much much rustier since going to school in the U.S. Uh, but I studied it in university as well, so just kind of got it back as well a little bit. Wow, in, in university as well. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty, especially in Yale, man. That's, I mean, you talk about top tier university, man. But anyway, uh, yeah, take us take us to the beginning. It says your hometown in Saratoga, California. Feel free to expand on that. I, I mean, uh, your your passion for the game. Uh, you've said before you got it, you know, from your dad from a young, uh, from a young age. Uh, I mean, did you look up to any other players? Or, I mean, growing up, looking up to any Iranian players, Iranian-American players, uh, kind of expand on that for us. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, my dad introduced me to the game when I was very young. Um, I've been playing ever since, I think, now almost 17, 18 years I've been playing. Um, but, yeah, growing up, I looked up to a lot, a lot of players, a lot of Brazilian players. Um, we were Barcelona household, so kind of grew up watching Henri, Ronaldinho, Messi, um, Eto, all those all those strikers and attacking players for Barcelona. And also um, kind of watching La Liga back then, there was Shojai and Ekunam playing for Osasuna. Um, so I, I remember watching them too. Was that a big source of pride anytime you saw them in La Liga, as it was for me? But you're, you're a little younger than me, so you must have pretty good memory if you remember watching them. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say there was pride or any feelings that I could associate to it, but I just always remember. Yeah, there's two Iranian guys playing in La Liga. They play against Barcelona, Real Madrid, um, and I thought it was pretty cool. You know, Nick Kunov had a very good career in La Liga. It has to be mentioned. I think people don't really rate that as highly as they should. I think his career in Osasuna was 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 very good. You know, he had a really long career there. So, so you know, for for us, obviously, we we obviously, you know, you, we're all Team Melly fans. Uh, I'm sure you are as well. How much did you actually follow them growing up? Um, you know, obviously, I know you're, you're 21 years old, so you must have followed the kind of Carlos Kairos era uh, more more so than the ones pre previous. Uh, how much did you follow them? And how much have you also followed the US men's national team as well? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, uh, I would say the 2010 World Cup was like the first World Cup I really remember watching. Um, but obviously Iran didn't qualify for that one. Um, but I remember watching like USA versus Ghana, um, like the heartbreak in that one. And then again in 2014, but also I remember watching Iran, Argentina, and Messi broke everyone's hearts with that 91st minute banger um so obviously i think watching both nations it hasn't been uh, a tale of success since i've been watching them but i think always always great to see them and always great to support them in big tournaments like asian cup world cup copa america whatever it may be question on that as well you know obviously you what you, you mentioned the argentina game that was a year where uh, you know, a lot of players from foreign leagues were getting invited into the national team. A lot of dual nationals were getting invited to the national team. Um, what do you make of that team? You know, back then, you know, we only had Gochanejal as a striker. And if you actually take it back a bit, he was invited into the national team 
when he was playing at the same club you are just now. He's, he was playing for St. Troy uh, back then, and he was invited to the national team for the first time. What do you make of that team back in 2014? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. That was actually one of the first things that people were telling me when I landed here um, because they were kind of confused if I was American or Iranian. Um, and there was an American guy who played at Centroid a couple of years back, uh, Chris Durkin. Um, so either they would tell me about Chris Durkin or they were telling me about Huchan Najad. Um, so, yeah, funny that you bring that up. But, yeah, that team, I remember with Dejaga, um the penalty that we should have had in that game and the header that he had saved. Um, I think it was a super exciting game, but I think a team that I felt like could have done more in that World Cup, but I think you put so much energy into a game like Argentina, then you get beaten by someone like Bosnia 3-1. Yeah, yeah, that, that was definitely a motivating factor for me going into my senior year, man. I like, I like, I, I put myself in those shoes. I'm, I'm sure you probably can relate to some of that stuff, man. Yeah, I, I definitely relate to that. Um, but yeah, on that note, when when you're playing as a as a younger player, I mean, you get recruited by Yale, uh, and I believe your your coach at Yale said it was is through the through watching your you in in the DA Academy, uh, right, the DA program. Uh, you're on one of the top uh, DA. I believe that means development academy. Uh, top DA teams in the country uh, for your team in, in California. Um, I assume your grades also helped, but uh, what, what was that like, the, the college route and choosing to go to, to college? Was it because of that, uh, that connection you had with the coach and I guess the academic stuff, did that help as well? Or like, what was that process? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, if I could have gone pro at whatever, 16, 17, I would have loved to, but I just wasn't good enough. Um, <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, but I think for me, um, and like my family college and education is the first thing that came into any sort of conversations before any sort of ideas about playing professionally. Um, so it was never really a question if I was going to go to college, it was just where, and, uh, through the recruitment process, I was talking to a lot of schools. Um, especially in California, it's pretty easy. I would say as a Californian to stay in California, it's the best weather. Um, it's good football, close to family. Um, but I think when Yale came, obviously I knew the weight of that degree and especially what it would mean for my family if I attended a place like that. Um, and so when I went on my visit, I think I just fell in love with the school. Uh, aside from from the soccer, um, just the school itself. Uh, and I could see myself thriving there and enjoying it, even if the football wasn't going how I hoped it would go. So that kind of informed my decision when it came to my next four years after high school. And obviously you, you had a, a, a period uh, during when you were playing in Yale, um, you had a period where you went off season and you played at Chicago uh, FC United. Um, the USL two, I believe it's called, or wherever I think League Two. Um, what was that experience like? Yeah, USL two. I don't know if you guys know about it, but it's kind of what all college players do in the summer. Um, it's like almost think of it like super teams across the U.S. that just bring in college players. A lot of times, players play uh, back in their hometowns. Um, where I'm from, San Jose, there's I don't know, like four or five USL2 teams um, kind of around there. 
Um, but I chose to go to Chicago because I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. Um, that team, FC United, was known for being a perennial powerhouse in USL2. Uh, and it would be a challenge. Like I think it's always going to be a challenge coming from Ivy League school because no one really takes you seriously as an athlete. Um, and so I went there and I honestly had probably the best summer of my life playing. Um, and Chicago was an awesome city as well, so that helped. But I really enjoyed being there and really um, looking back on it now, I think that it was a good decision for me to have spent that summer there. Yeah, did you end up getting your degree from Yale when you finally finished? No, so I left a year early, um, much to the dismay of my parents. Oh, man, but, but I'm sure you had some promise. I mean, you ended up in uh, Belgium, man. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm going to finish it. I'm actually taking some classes this summer. Hopefully, I will be done summer of 2025. Uh, what are you studying, Carver? I'm studying global affairs uh, with a concentration in energy studies. Wow, yeah, global affairs. That's what uh, a friend of the podcast and former uh, U19 uh, women's coach, uh, Kat Kosfayar, uh, that's what she got. She got her master's in about a year and a half, two years ago from from Rice University. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's she's done a lot of work with with that as well as coaching, and I guess you doing it while playing. So that's uh, a neat similarity there. Um, so so did you just have a a good offer to to go to Belgium? Is that why you left? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think the offer was fine. I wouldn't say it was like a crazy offer, kind of like you cannot refuse um, sort of situation. But every step of my footballing journey so far, I've just looked at it as if there's an opportunity to move, will it further my development? And if the situation I'm leaving still has uh, kind of room for growth or not. And I just felt that after three years, I guess technically two in which I played at Yale, I felt that I was ready for a next step. Um, and so when the opportunity came, obviously a lot of conversations with my family, uh, coaches, teammates, kind of anyone who has been with me throughout my journey and just felt like it was the best decision to make. And it wasn't for me about if I would have success or start playing, but more so taking an opportunity that I don't know if it would be there in six months when I had finished my degree or not. So. And, and by the way, I mean, you've been in, in, in Belgium for, uh, I mean, several months. I mean, has it been a culture, culture shock at all? I mean, your first uh, professional team is in, is in Europe. Have you had to adjust much? Yeah, I would say culture shock um, in terms of just how this country <laughs> operates so different from the United States. Uh, like the grocery stores are closing at 6 p.m. Uh, Sundays, nothing is That's open. That's Europe, man. That's Europe. <laughs> yeah. Get used to it. Yeah, Sundays, nothing is open. Uh, so things like this. I mean, it's much slower here. I think also coming from Yale, where it's a very work hard, play hard sort of men mentality there, uh, seeing people just enjoying their time, especially when I came like in July, August, September, when I was still uh sunny out just seeing people like sitting in cafes drinking their alcohol or their coffees for like hours on end to me was such a foreign concept because i'm thinking like isn't there something you should be doing right now it's like 3 p.m on a wednesday 
question for you, Covet. How did you get um, approached by by Saint Troyden uh, back in back when you were at Yale? Yeah. So uh, my agent uh, knew knew the coach, the, the the current coach, but he was the incoming coach this summer, um, and knew they were looking for a striker, and just kind of sent him some clips and. Uh, they took a look at me and then they initially invited me over on trial. Um, so I trialed for 10 days, I think, if I remember correctly, kind of at the end of June, uh, like June 15th to like June 30th or something like this. And after that trial period, they kind of got back to me almost a month later and that at the end of July. And they said that they were interested in bringing me on. So, you know, you made a really good start now, you know, you've, you've proven to them that the trial was uh, successful for a reason. Uh, you know, he scored five goals in all competitions this season, scored two goals really recently in a, in a, in a league game, uh, one goal in the cup. Um, you know, first of all, you know, congratulations on, on starting so well, but what are your, are your personal goals now going forward for the rest of the season and when you're in Belgium? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, but I think, yeah, for me, it's just about seeing the limits that I can get to and pushing those every day. So five goals is great, um, but now I'm looking to get 10 goals. And if I hit 10 goals, then looking to just keep improving from there. I think it's it's been a great experience and great for me to be playing well, but nothing is taken for granted. Um, I'm just looking to see how far I can get during my time here. How would you describe your style of play right now? Um, obviously, you're a, you're a tall striker, 193 and 194. What, how would you um, describe your style of play? Yeah, I would say it's definitely unorthodox, um, especially for my physical build. Um, I'm much faster than people probably think. Like, my top speed is 35 kilometers an hour. Um and I'm not, I mean, I can play like a post-up number nine, kind of like a Giroud type, but I would say someone in world football that I try to play like is, that I would say is similar to my build and play styles, like Alexander Isak, um, who's kind of likes to play and build up, but also drift out wide sometimes down the middle. But of course it depends on the team and the players that you have, you know, um, in this team right now, I'm kind of employed as a out and out number nine, just running hard in the channels, holding it up, and just getting on the other crosses. Let's move on to the part of the podcast that I think a lot of the fans are really interested in, in listening about. Because obviously, you know, once they hear a player of Iranian, uh, whether it's descent or whether it's Iranian heritage, whatever it may be, goes and plays in Europe and they're doing really well. Immediately, the, the conversation about national team call-ups comes into the play. Um, and being that the World Cup is going to be held in the US slash Mexico slash uh, Canada, um, and obviously there's including the Santa Clara, uh, the Levi Stadium, quite close to hometown. Um, do you see yourself even playing at the World Cup in 2026? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I would say it was a goal that I set my, for myself 
like during the last World Cup, um, just kind of planning it out. I was looking at it. I never thought that I would leave Yale a year early um, to move to Europe, which I think has given me a better chance of making it there um, than previously. But I guess in my head, my original plan was that I would be 24 in 2026. Um, if I graduated Yale at 21, I would have played like one year of MLS if I got drafted and then hopefully have a good year, move to Europe, play like two, two years, one and a half years, and then kind of sneak into a roster for either country. Um, but now, I mean, I guess that plan's been completely tossed out, uh, but for good. So, Have you been contacted by either the U.S. or Iran national teams? No, no, I've never been contacted uh, by anyone ever um, since I was young to now. So, um, yeah, I guess it's not something that takes up too much of my headspace. What do you think you have to do, Cover, between now and the end of the season, for instance, to to get that contact, that, that call? What do you think you have to try and to push for? I think I just have to keep working on the path that I'm on. Um, I think if I can hit 10 goals, that'll be good, just personally. Um, not even looking for a call-up in terms of that. I think 10 goals in my first professional season after coming from college soccer in the U.S. is not a bad feat. Um, and I think it's one that I can definitely achieve. I think we have 15 games left. Um, so I think five more goals is definitely doable. Um, but in terms of what I have to do for a call-up, I just think, yeah, score more goals on the striker. It's all that you want your strikers to do. So, Have you given thought at this point to a preference of who you'd like to hear from, Iran or the U.S.? Not really. Um, maybe if you asked me like three years ago or something, maybe. But I think in large part it has to do to the fact that I've never been contacted um, and so for me growing up, it was always about, oh, I want to play pro. I want to play pro, not I want to play for the U.S. national team. I want to play for the Iran national team. And I think definitely like growing up in a very Iranian household in America also gives you kind of this dynamic of like, okay, I'm American, oh, I'm Iranian. And so you never think about, okay, I want to hoist the World Cup with this country, but more I want to play pro for the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, look, it might happen that both countries come for you in the next few months. You know, the, the national team qualifiers are, are coming up very soon for Iran. Uh, they're playing Turkmenistan uh, next month. If that did happen, you know, that dilemma that come to place, have you kind of decided what you might do in that instance? Um, not really in terms of who I would pick, but I think I would definitely keep in mind in how it would relate to being cap tied and things like this. Um, because let's say if Iran, if I pick Iran and I go and then I don't really like the vibe there and I would like to switch, um, I would like to still have the option to switch and vice versa. Um, but it would, it would still come. I mean, it would not just be a decision that I would make myself. I would talk to my parents Um more than anything, you know, they're the ones who are, grew up in Iran. Um, and as well as just my coaches from back home in California who, who know me best.
Yeah, it's, an, you know, it's a tough one. You know, it's a tough one. It'd be tough for anybody who, who's born in a country like myself. I was born in Scotland to play for Iran. It's a hard decision, but, you know, it's one that it might happen. So we'll see how that, that goes in the next couple of months. Um, you, you watched uh, the recent Asian Cup uh, Iran competed in. Um, what did you kind of think of the, about that? How did, you, how did you think Iran got on? Yeah, I was watching. Um, heartbreaking to go out in the semis to Qatar. Um but I think, I mean, it was, it was an interesting, definitely different style from, from the Kirosh days, um, much more attacking. Um, but I think sometimes we kind of paid that price in defense, um, letting in a lot of goals. Obviously, that Asian Cup squad, a lot of the criticism that, that was put towards Gala Nuri, I think, I don't want to actually criticize the coach but one of the things that was very uh, prominent was the fact that you know the strikers that we had in the squad other than Taremi and Osmond Moronlu, Asadi, Karim Ansari Farad players that we felt anyway that maybe weren't up to the standards of the national team necessarily when you compare it to players we've had in the past uh, what do you, how do you, when you compare yourself to those strikers in general, in that kind of conversation, how do you see yourself fitting in that, in that, in that squad? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm just very realistic with myself. Like, I, like these are strikers who played years professionally. I mean, Tarami was playing in Syria. Tarami is moving there soon. Um, from what it sounds like to Inter. Um, but I just I just think like uh, like right now I have so much to learn. I don't think I'm at their level. Um, now that could change in two weeks if I score two goals. But I think playing for first national team for whatever country is a difficult feat, um, and is a sign that you do have quality. You're not getting invited for no reason. Um, it might not be the quality that, of course, the fans demand and. You might not have the quality of your starting players, but if I was to be invited, of course, I believe in my abilities and my capabilities to show myself and prove that I do belong. Yeah, Kaveh, we've talked to Iranian-American players and coaches on this show, uh, on this podcast a lot over the years. And, you know, a friend of ours, uh, MLS All-Star and fellow San Jose Californian, Stephen Betashore, uh, obviously, he did great in the MLS, won an MLS Cup, got to represent Team Millie, uh in the 2014 World Cup. Um, and he's talked with us extensively about his his time with uh, with Iran uh, and, uh, you know, having that dichotomy of both uh, American and, and Iranian I- identity. Uh, I don't know if you've contacted him or if you've uh, interacted with, with him yet, but uh, what are your thoughts on him? Do you draw any similarities with him or, or any other Iranian-American for that matter? Yeah, no, I haven't uh, contacted him or spoken to him before, but yeah, of course, I, I know Stephen Betashur, you know, growing up, going to San Jose Earthquakes games, uh, you you can't miss a last name like Betashur. Um, and so it was definitely cool seeing an Iranian uh, playing in the MLS, especially at home. Back then, they used to play at a Santa Clara University, their stadium, because they didn't have their own stadium um, when we used to go to games. So you went but, to you went to see him in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not an earthquakes fan, um, but we would go to games because we just love watching soccer. And obviously, I 
I don't want to put a damper on the podcast, but obviously we had the the, the tragic death of uh, Melika Mohammadi, uh, an ex uh, and current up until her, her recent death, um, international for the Iran women's national team, uh, obviously played in, in the US as well. Um, you know, with with there being all this diaspora all over all over the US, I think we've had. I think we've also got a player Zach Zandi currently playing in the MLS. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I don't know if that's. I think that's right. Uh, what do you kind of make of the landscape for Iranian Americans, uh, kind of breaking into European football and and potentially getting into their national teams? Yeah, I mean, I think it's super difficult. Um... I would just say from a cultural standpoint, um, like in my own house, you know, sports is not emphasized. Um, it was always education. So I think from that standpoint, it's also very difficult. Um, like everything that I did was was like a first timer for just my family. Like I was the first person to play any sort of collegiate athletes or athletics. Um, first person to kind of play like a high level academy sport um, of any sort. So. I think that's like one of the biggest obstacles rather than opportunities and actual ability and whatnot. It's more kind of sometimes overcoming some cultural uh, hurdles to doing something that you have a passion about and that you would love to do. Yeah, before we go into fan questions uh, that Aria will handle, uh, real quick, did you have any siblings or anyone else in your family that you played with, by the way? Yeah, I have a younger brother. Um, who who plays college soccer as well? Hey man, what where does he play? Right back, left back. We need some <laughs> left backs in the national team. We're gonna move on to fan questions, Kove. Uh, again, I really appreciate your time and coming on here. Um, coming on some some fan questions we got from Twitter and or X and and from Instagram. Um, comes from at Robert eight four nine. Uh, one five. Yes. Uh, what were your Japanese teammates' reaction to Iran knocking them out of the of the Asian Cup? Because obviously, I think STT STVV or or Saint Trodens is a Japanese-owned club, right? Yes, our owners are Japanese, so we have uh, I think seven or eight Japanese players um, with us right now. Um, it was funny. They were. I remember the day before. I was kind of telling them that they should be careful that Iran's going to beat them. And they were saying, there's no way, there's no way. Because a lot of them are Japan national team players themselves, whether in the youth or the first team. Um, and then when it happened, I just <laughs> sent a couple funny emojis in our group chat um, that I got no no response to from them. But other players were laughing at it. Um, but I think they they gained some respect for Iran after after that match. Uh, next one from Instagram uh, uh, at Mehdi underscore underscore ninety six. Uh, in which leagues do you prefer to see to prefer to play uh, in your future? Is there any kind of leagues that you look at? You know, next five, four, three years time that you want to kind of focus on playing at? Yeah, I think my ultimate goal is to play in the Premier League. Um, it's the best league in the world, but I definitely have a soft spot for La Liga. Going back to just watching it growing up, you know, Osasuna, Barcelona that sort of uh, connection to my childhood. So I would say ideal path would be to go to La Liga for a couple of years and I move to the Premier League. That would be unbelievable. Um, but 
we don't have all the agency when it comes to these things. So, ending on with some some questions on food preferences, we've got quite a few. Uh, I'm gonna go through the three of them. You can give me a right, quick fire, quick quick fire. So, first one comes from at Iran two three seven seven seven. He asks, "Gourmet sabzi or hamburger?" Um, I believe hamburger is an as an as an as a German thing, but we'll go with it being an American. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to say gourmet sabzi. You know, I actually quite disagree with that. I think hamburger is better than gourmet sabzi. I'm being perfectly honest, you know what I mean. A good smash burger is not a bad thing. Um, the other thing, other question we had is from at uh, Dara Zalandi. He asks, uh, "Kubida or Barg? Uh, usually, I get sultani. You get sultani. What is sultani, by the way? What is the combination of that? Is that bag and kubida? Bag and kubida. Okay, cool, cool. And then the last one is from Nilu Weddings on Instagram. Uh, what are your top two favorite Persian foods? I would say sabzi pulo bamahi, definitely up there for me. And then maybe khayme or abgusht. Good stuff. I like it. But by the way, I mean, I think I think that's more of a dig at In and Out because I'm from Texas and I'm so I'm obviously Team Waterburger over In and Out. In and Out's obviously the California thing. <laughs> we don't have uh, any of that in the UK. <laughs> I think In and Out is the best burger, hands down, that you can get. You know, you say that, but you know, I've I've had better burgers, man. You know, I've had the, I've had the In and Out in in California before. It was good, but. I think I've had better burgers than In-N-Out, man. I've had, <laughs> I've had better ones. I think we're hearing all of our California listeners immediately unsubscribing right now. So, <laughs> all right. So, Ari, was that all the fan questions? That was them all, yes. Okay, sweet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, before we go, uh, Kave, do you have anything that you'd like to say just to our uh, our listeners or Iranian fans in general who who might be watching this, any particular message um, for yourself, uh, you know, as you are hitting the stride of this uh, young career for yourself? Anything maybe in Farsi you want to say? Yeah, no, what I would say is uh, that the support and the messages is very, very nice. And I appreciate um all of it that I've received so far. Um, and I just hope to make this community proud. You know, I think it's a very prideful community um, within Iran and in the diaspora. And I think one that definitely gets a bad rap in the media um, for reasons that are out of their control. So I think just trying to make people um, that are from the same background, just proud of what I'm doing and just showing people that they can also do what I'm doing. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that, man. Uh, really appreciate your time, Kaveh. And uh, Arya, anything else you want to add? No, listen, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm a big fan of what you're doing this season. I think you've been fantastic. You scored some great goals, looking really, really impressive. Uh, just keep it up. Um, you know, whatever you do choose with your national team future, we're always supporting you uh, as, an, as an Iranian. And uh, yeah, just uh, keep going the rest of the season. Appreciate it, guys.
is Stephen Basher, former Iranian national team player, and you guys are listening to Golgar Zan Podcast. Enjoy.